Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a company dedicated to helping all businesses with their people-related decisions. They do that by giving clients access to the best human capital, due diligence and background checks available, unprospective candidates, business partners, tenants, and more. To learn more, simply visit www.peopleg2.com. Today, we're privileged to have with us the founder and president of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, Chris. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining me. Again, my name is Chris Dyer, and I'll be your host here for the next hour on the Talent Talk Radio Show. Uh, looking forward to our guests here today, and we have a lot of other great guests throughout the year lined up, and we hope you'll come back and check them out as well. So a little bit about this show and how it works. We created this show and, and have a lot of guests on uh, on air that really care about talent management, leadership development, and company culture. So we will look at the word talent in the business world as kind of having a couple different meanings. And the first is how it relates to success and how really talented people achieve success. So what makes them so talented and what can we learn from them? And then the second area is how do HR leaders and human resources uh, executives deal with the talent issues that they have. So getting the most out of their talent, and generally that takes a pretty talented person to do as well. So this show will look to explore those two areas along with how those talented individuals impact a company's culture. One thing that I'm always fascinated about and have the privilege of speaking all around the country to is about how to make a great company culture. So I'm always looking to learn more from our great guests. Speaking of my guests, they typically include CEOs, HR execs, entrepreneurs, uh, coaches, authors, just you know all sorts of fantastic minds from and, and leaders from different industries. Uh, typically what happens is I'm at a networking event, a conference, somehow stumble upon one of these great people and you know i have the privilege of meeting them but i want to make sure that you have the chance to hear what they have to say so i created this forum to allow you to listen in our dialogue hopefully learn some practical advice on how to cultivate talent develop leaders manage culture and most importantly impact your own career in a positive way in fact that's really the point hopefully there's something you learn today something that you take take away from this that really can help you so I want to thank those of you tuning in live here every Tuesday. Uh, don't forget you can submit your questions via Twitter to my guests. Um, actually, I'll go into my producer and he'll send them over to me and then we'll ask him. But you can send those to at PeopleG2. Um, use a hashtag Talent Talk. Again, that's on Twitter. And my producer, Mike, will send me over any questions that look really good. We also love to get your suggestions on guests we should have or anything else we're doing right or wrong. Send us a note that way. Uh, don't forget, you can also listen to uh, the show via a podcast on iTunes. That's actually how most people tune in. Uh, we just took a look here today, and there's over 213,000 of you doing it that way. We also know uh, there's a whole new group kind of building up. Now we're syndicated with iHeartRadio that are listening to the iHeartRadio app, and you can do that on your computer, on your Android phone, on your Apple phone, whatever. So it's a great way to check out the, the past shows and, and make sure you not don't miss anything. So. We've really amassed a great following. We appreciate you all uh, being here to listen in, whether it's live or later on. So let's go ahead and get today's show started. Enough with all the, the ramblings. Um, my first guest today is Rick Gillis. He's an author and business coach. And then after the commercial break, we'll have on Robert David, the Director of Corporate and Professional Programs for the UC Berkeley Extension uh, Program. So I look forward to speaking to right here in a little bit. But let's go ahead and get to Rick. Rick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're currently doing now. 
<laughs> what a long, interesting road it's been. I got here accidentally. I helped. I'm a sales guy. That's what I've always done. I helped launch the very first job board in Houston back in 1997, and this is when the Internet, we were making it up as we went. And I, I really mean that literally. We were making it up. The first year and a half we were in business, we didn't have a search engine. We provided databases. That's how far back this goes. Right. But what happened is I spent 10 years calling on HR professionals, staffing companies, business owners. Almost immediately, literally two months after I started with this organization, and we were literally, there was three of us in a dining room. That's how we started this thing. And... Um, I got called by the Texas Employment Commission asking them, asking if I could come and speak to job seekers about how to use this newfangled internet thing in their job search, and I did. Then to jump to today, that led to four books on job search, my newest book, which is on the job promotion, two radio shows, a TV show. I've just, I, I didn't expect all this to happen. Like I said, I'm a sales guy, but I ended up selling because I was so early in I had CEOs of companies, Continental Airlines. You might have heard a little company called Enron, Compact Computer, which, of course, is now HP, um, Exxon, Shell. I mean, all kinds of companies where I would go to when I was pitching the recruiters or HR on how to use this new Internet thing for job search. I had CEOs coming up and asking questions and stuff. So made a big impact early on, and that led to opportunities that, you know, here I am talking to you. Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like uh, right place, right time, and recognizing uh, that you're in a kind of a new new world where you could make a difference, and that's sometimes what people don't do. They don't realize where they're at. They're in this new new space or new time, and they don't take advantage of it. But it sounds like you did. I tell you, Chris. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't understand that. I just knew there was a need for something new besides classified, you know, newspaper ads, and there was nothing else really. At right. the time, I did not realize we were on the verge of something bigger, and I'd have to give that to the founders who saw this and said, let's go build this thing. Like I said, I was the sales guy. you know. But what <laughs> happened, you know, in, invariably, and it wasn't planned this way, but I became kind of the face of the company. And so that led to all the other things that happened. But I was, yeah, there was a God wink here. This was kind of a calling. I didn't look for it. It found me. Well, you mentioned you know you've, you've got these uh, different books that you've done. Maybe we can talk about your latest book, which I think is called Promote. So, in the thumbnail outline, can you talk about a few of the main points that you hope your readers will identify with if they choose to check out this book? Let me tell you the thing I have done because I've done a lot of career coaching, which once again was not a plan. I just started doing it and started helping people and being very successful. But I've worked with everything from entry level college, skilled trades, all the way to CEOs. I've actually got four CEOs under my belt, and this is one in Europe, the rest here in the United States. But um, what I learned along the way working with all these different people, and this is about 18 years now of working with people, I have learned that fundamentally the number one problem most everybody has is they do not, they're not capable of speaking to the value they will bring to an organization, to an employer. And if you cannot go in and express the value you're going to deliver, you're pretty much wasting everybody's time in an interview. You go attend an interview, and if you can say, as a result of my efforts, we were, I was responsible for this, that's a whole different thing than saying, how much are you going to pay me? You know, it's a mindset, and it's all about adding value. You know, the, what they're going to pay you, the salary, all that kind of stuff, that's going to take care of itself. But I've had some of my senior suite, um, you know, senior VP, CTO, CIO, those kind of people I've worked with, 
that have landed and and what I do and they've told me very much this training had a lot to do with their success because I require everybody to start with a list of personal best accomplishments and that's where the promote book comes from because I did this in my job search and I still do it for with job search counseling but the promote book is I've figured that people are not promoting themselves on the job consistently appropriately and I think that's fundamentally what is needed at any time so people don't get laid off. Uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of people, obviously, who have been laid off. And um, in, I almost, almost to a T, I can see they have so much talent, so much capability, they neglected to promote themselves. I find that women young in their careers are afraid of this. I've had very, I've only had one woman who was willing to go out and negotiate salary at the, at the outset. All the rest of them I had to almost force them, and we were successful all but one time. And the, you've always got that fallback and says, look, I'll take your first offer because I really want this job. But the women I've coached to negotiate do well. Now, men, conversely, I find men at 40, 50, 60 years old get complacent, and they say, well, I got it made. And that's a really dangerous thing. That's a dangerous mindset because at that point, you really could lose, or actually I see a lot of them who do lose, because they're not continuing to express their values. So that's the fundamental core of promote, and the fundamental message is to continuously promote yourself appropriately. Well, I think you bring up an excellent point that might help a lot of people understand why didn't they get that promotion, or why didn't they get the job that they thought they deserved and maybe other people thought they deserved. And Somebody else who did not have the same accomplishments or credentials or what have you, but they got the job. And when you look at it, that other person was a better promoter. They made sure that they talked to the right people, that the right people knew the things that they had done, that they had gotten their accomplishments out, but not in a braggy way, not in a, you know, kind of malicious way, but if you're out there and at least you make sure, and some people might call that being political or uh, being savvy in that regards, but I, I can't tell you how many times I've had people complain to me that they didn't get that job they want or didn't get that promotion, and it really comes down to nobody knew all the great things they did. Nobody well, had you know, any Chris, clue that they had done uh, those I'll things. I'll tell you, we are taught as children, this is a cultural and to a degree a religious component, we are taught as children not to brag, not to boast. And I agree with that. I have no problem. That's that's a teaching we need to start with as as children. I mean, who wants to play with a kid whose daddy makes more money than my daddy? That's not going to happen. But we need to be untaught that information. We need to be we need to unlearn that information as we grow older. And and I said I propose going into middle school, going into high school, going into college, entering the job force. At that point, we need to. And this is not about bragging and boasting. I categorically am against that. I am about communicating and informing your supervision of your value on a continuing basis. And I mean continuing. I mean you need to take the time or find the opportunity. It could be over the coffee pot it could be at a lunch it could be whatever anywhere to let your boss know that you came in and devoted four extra hours of your own time on saturday because you helped somebody in marketing get their deal together and you 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 know you walked away from your work and who knew you were there on saturday working you need to make sure people know this kind of stuff because one of the things that i get pushed back a lot is i haven't done anything well yeah we've all done stuff 
And people are always telling me, well, I don't know how to value or how to quantify. Well, if somebody could not quantify your value, they would not know how to pay you. They would not know how much to pay you. And so quantification, although there is some effort, and I spend time in the book talking about that, this is not difficult. And nothing I talk about is rocket science. It's more about application. Well, absolutely. And, you know, you can find those great ways to try to make sure that you communicated those things you've done. And, and there, like you said, there's just time and place. Make sure they know that, that small thing that you came in and helped. Or maybe it's if you have a regular review process, make that list you talked about. What are the accomplishments that you made for that year? Maybe it's a good idea to put that list together once a year and in the right context, bring well, that Chris, forward. Let me interrupt. It's not once a year. It's once a week. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot remember what you did March the week of March 2nd. Right. Right, and, and I tell people that at any given point in time, you should be able to tell your boss how you added value yesterday, today, yesterday, three days ago, three weeks ago, three months ago, and last year. And that's a very difficult thing to do. And that's kind of what I've been, where I've been studying this thing, and I've brought it to that piece. So when you talk about once a year, yes, absolutely, positively, that performance review, you should go in and knock them out. But you do that as a result of keeping at minimum a weekly list of those things you achieved. Look over your, your daytime or your calendar, whatever you're using, and take a look back. Make little notes. They can be two or three word notes daily. Put them on a on a piece of on a paper on your desktop um not literally paper but on your computer desktop make notes in your calendar just those things you did and you this is value um and a lot of things people don't understand too there is an arc to your career and dropping out three months or six months or a year and not remembering what all that was about it could be that could be information that could have been valuable to you and, and, you know, if you have certain goals or things that you're trying to accomplish, that kind of list can also have a secondary effect, effect that you might see that you're spending time doing things that you shouldn't be doing, right? Because I went back, I kept like a list for a month of all the things that I was doing, and I realized there was a handful of things I should not be handling, I don't need to be handling, there's other people in my company who are perfectly capable of doing it, and it freed me up to spend more time in areas of helping us accomplish our goals. So. Not only can you help define those great things you've done, you may find areas where, you know, you're wasting time. Or, or, that's or a great point, Chris. I really appreciate that a lot. I think that's very important. And I think if you're going to really de- design a roadmap, and of course you got to allow for, you know, the left turn, the right turn, the going straight ahead. Right. You don't know necessarily where you may go. But looking back and going, wow, I'm wasting too much time on trying to be a rock star now that I'm 60 years old. Maybe I ought to give that one up. Right. Well, and and that and that can be hard enough to do. That might be a whole show on that. But you know, I know uh, I, I I know you've done you know quite a different you know set of things. You kind of started to talk about a little bit. You know, your path has kind of winded around into management, into sales, uh, development type roles. And I think yes. I'm looking at your profile. You had a stint as in, in radio as well. So, how did you kind of end up settling on this area of coaching and encouraging others in their in their careers? You know, it's you, nobody's ever asked me that before, and I really appreciate it um, because I have had a lot. You know, I had no, I had no, um, I had no map. I had no. Let me tell you exactly. When I got out of high school, I wanted to be a rock star. Seriously, I mean, I still have a little recording studio here at home, and and I've got complete, completely set up studio: drums, guitars, bass. I've got everything you can possibly want: recording gear, all that stuff. 
But I realized several years back, many, many years ago, in fact, that that needed to be a serious hobby. And so that's what I call it. Where, like, and I tell people that while everybody was playing golf, I was playing guitar. But I, it's, it is a serious hobby. And once I got past that, I started looking for opportunities. And like I said, I was a sales guy. I was in commercial real estate for 10 years. Um, did that really well. But then my wife got um, accepted to law school here in Houston. We relocated. The plan was to be here three years, and we just celebrated 20. <laughs> wow. And along the way, I was fortunate when we first got here, I had enough money that I didn't have to go run out and get a job immediately. So I kind of explored, and it took me a year, and then I happened to find this thing called HoustonEmployment.com. And I, it was interesting, too, because when I went to see them, I didn't ask them for a job. I told them they needed me. I just said, you guys don't know this yet, but you need me really badly. And they took a... They took a, a leap of faith, and we were very, very successful. So, But that's what got me into the business. And I think I saw a lot of need, and I think I connected with a lot of people needing support. Another thing I saw, and you're kind of making me think on my feet uh, here, Chris. The, <laughs> the reality is what I saw a lot of is the job search information that is out there and available, and I say this categorically across the entire spectrum, online, books, most speakers is very dated. Most people I find are still teaching 1985, 1955, 1935. Their information is not sound, and that's where I really stepped up because as a guy helping build this this job board business, and I do consider myself a, a, digi a digital dinosaur, you know, I was a pioneer of this stuff early on, and um, I was out showing people how to utilize well, resume filtering software, for one thing. You know, I call myself the job search mechanic because I'm not going to sit here and coach somebody for the next two years or a year. I'm not a career coach. I am a mechanic that will help you get the best out of the tools that are available, how to successfully game and navigate the resume filtering software that's out there that keeps so many people out of the process. So my previous book, Previous to Promote, is called Job, and it's, it's just a primer on how to... You know, I designed my own resume filtering, uh, my own resume formats, designed to successfully navigate the software that's out there. This is, once again, this is not rocket science. It's really a simple process, but nobody's sharing this information with you. Yeah, and it gets to be very complicated. And I, one of the things I'm kind of just getting from you is that, uh, based on your own decisions and the things that you're kind of telling people to do, is you need to have confidence. You need to have your, you know, your ducks in a row and. You don't, it's not blind confidence. You need to have done your research. You need to make that list of your accomplishments. I mean, you need to know your stuff. But once you have figured that out, employers are just as probably unsure of what they really need as what you are. And you can walk in there and be confident if you could tell them what you can do for them um, and, and share that. They might not always pick you, but you have a far better chance of being chosen than walking in and telling them, hey, I need a job. I've got a feed my kids, I need a place to live, so I need a job because I need money. And that's not well, really... The you can ever say is, I need a job. Right. And I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. There's a lot interviews. of semantics in job search. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then you, they go, well, okay, you're not really interested in this job, you're interested in a job, which yeah. you know, should, should throw the alarm bells up for, for the average uh, employer uh, that you may not have the right person there sitting at, in front of you. So... 
It really is. Chris, so you hire yourself. I know you do because I was looking at your business and G2 and stuff, and I think it's a fascinating business, and you're very much involved in that whole background piece. So, you know, that's one of the things that I tell people in the job, you know, in the interview, because I work with a lot of people that have a history of whatever kind, bankruptcy, convictions, whatever, and I tell them, look, you're first going to go in and tell them what you're going to do for them. Just pound it what you're going to do for them. And then, of course, make sure if you do have some background that you tell them on, you know, right at the end of the interview, first of all, sell yourself, get them all excited about you. Because I know that HR professionals have told me over and over many, 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 many times that they would have promoted a candidate, they would have possibly have made a hire had they been honest and truthful up front. Yep. And so when that happens, things go good. Because I find your business fascinating. And when I was in the rate, when I had my radio show, I did interview a couple of people that were in the background business. And, wow, you could fill an hour show real quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We've done it. We've been on shows before, and I feel like we just get started, and they go, oh, it's time now. It's all done. And I go, wait, wait, wait. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Wait a minute. I didn't even get to the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But you so, know, I've helped I've helped clients too. That I have one pastor here in Houston, a big, big, big job search ministry, and he calls me and he doesn't send me the cookie cutters. He sends me is really hard to place individuals who have a problem. And I had one guy that, I mean, he served eight years armed robbery. He had uh, ink up both arms, and I called. You know, he called me up and we talked. And I said, listen, here's the deal: if you're willing to work outside, you're not going to work near people, and. Um, and if you're willing to get started, I said, you're going to work outside with lumber or valves or something. In two or three years, you're going to do really good. You'll move into city sales or something. And he said, I'll do that. And he had a wife and three kids. He was very, and he was remorseful. He was, he was the ideal candidate, except that he had a background. And he went and got the interviews, and sure enough, exactly what I said. He ended up working outdoor with valves. And about two years ago, he sent me an email and said, you were right. I just got promoted to city sales. And I said, good for you. You know, you're on your way. You're going to be fine. But, yeah, you've seen all that. Yeah, you gotta got to go the right path. So, you know, we're almost out of time here. I want to make sure we ask you our favorite question, and that is, uh, is there a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us? <laughs> you know, I, I uh, promote. You know, I'm really pushing promote. I actually rewrote the entire book after I published it. I published it in February, and I finally, there's a difference between writing a book and reading a book for entertainment, for fun, for learning. I read the book, and I went, this could be better. And I actually withdrew the book. I rewrote every paragraph. The content changed very little. I just knew I could say it better. Yeah. So I actually rewrote the entire book. I only added like 300 words to the entire publication. And uh, now it's starting to make a little, some noise and starting to get some legs across the nation. So I'm going to go with promote, and I thank you for asking, Chris. I'm sure that uh, people can go out there and find that book. Uh, I'm sure it's available all over. But if they are interested in more specifically your coaching services and the things that you do, uh, what's the best way for them to, to find out more? RickGillis.com. RickGillis.com. Real easy to find. And the promote book is there. The job book. All of my job stuff is available. Because the job stuff is available in video, in audio book, and in paper, and in download. And... Um, so, you know, that's the best way. I'm kind of pulling back from the coaching business, and I'm really going out to speaking to organizations about this, how to be a better employee on the job. That's kind of my focus these days. Well, great case interview or spelling challenge. That Gillis is G-I-L-L-I-S. So rickgillis.com, go check him out. And uh, we really appreciate you being on the show, and hopefully we can have you come back and uh, 
get an update. We'd love to learn more from you later on down the road. Chris, I wish you the best as well with your business, and uh, thank thank Mike for um, reaching out and being the liaison here. I appreciate his efforts as well. All right, fantastic. Up next, we have Robert David, who will join me after this quick commercial break. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Welcome back to the Talent Talk Radio Show. Don't forget, you can check us out on uh, the iTunes uh, podcast app on your Apple devices, your iHeartRadio app on any device, or visit talenttalkradio.com. There's all kinds of places that you can find our past shows, listen in, and hopefully uh, learn something that will help you in your uh, in your career. So don't forget, if you want to have a question here for my next guest, send it uh, via Twitter to at PeopleG2. Just pop in your question. Use that hashtag talent talk and we'll review it try to pop it in here to the show so let's go ahead and get to my next guest who is robert david the director of corporate and professional programs at uc berkeley extension robert welcome to the show hey i'm glad to be here thanks so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're what you're currently doing in your role over there at uc berkeley sure so my, my current role over at uc berkeley extension is director of corporate professional programs and I'm responsible for all the outreach to companies from around the world to provide impactful and relevant training to staff and managers. So these can range from small, medium, and large-sized firms and include for-profit, not-for-profit, and government organizations. I, I live and work in Northern California, not that far from UC Berkeley, and I uh, love working for the university. So through the UC Berkeley Extension Program, you consult with senior HR leaders and help them develop strategies for developing talent. So with the background in business development and sales, how did you end up in a talent development, you know, consultative role, and, you know, especially with the, through the university program? Sure, sure. About three years ago, a former colleague of mine, a former CEO that I worked for, began recruiting me for this role. Uh, doing outreach to corporate clients is something I've been doing my entire professional career, and I find that talking with companies about their goals for training and helping them with their level career people to grow their skills is very inspiring and motivating so it was just through this uh, contact I had so what are some of those strategies that companies are looking to develop sure so 
most firms are doing a great job of onboarding new hires and have extensive resources for executive education for senior-level staff, including 360 reviews, coaching, and mentoring. Uh, Corn Theory, which is a, uh, a HR recruiting firm, has written about what they call the vital many, which includes individual contributors and first-line managers. And those are the folks that are not always getting the continuous learning offered to them, both in soft skill areas like communication, design thinking, emotional intelligence, and some of the hard skill areas like sales, technology, project management, accounting. Those are the areas that seem to be of greatest need right now. Yeah, so it's we, we do a good job of bringing on the the people that we're hiring most of because that makes sense because we're probably you know, bringing on those frontline people in, in large amounts if you're a big company and then hey, giving that education to your senior people. But it's kind of all those people in the middle, right, that maybe don't get as much of that edu- education, don't get as much of that communication, and yet they're probably the biggest bridge between your senior level management and your frontline people to make sure the goals of the organization, the what's happening, what changes are being made or being delivered, and yet we're kind of ignoring them. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly, exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. So is there a particular focus then in the area uh, of talent or organizational development that you find yourself kind of the most, you know, more passionate about than others? Yeah, I'd say it'd be in the area of L&D and HR analytics that are helping companies help their employees do more and perform better. So at one of my recent learning advisory board meetings, one of the panelists, uh, Blaine Adams from AAA, told the group that AAA is uh, mapping key skills to performance indicators to business performance. So they want to take their learning objectives and know how to drive business performance. But learning is just a piece of the puzzle. They also need to understand all the other HR activities like hiring and onboarding and other engagement activities sort of all influence performance. So they're trying to basically measure the effect of all these things on performance. On the educational front, I I think there are five areas that are must-haves, and those include leadership, influence, uh, big data decision-making, negotiation, and innovation. And those also have to be very strong programs taught by some of the world's best faculty here at UC Berkeley. And those are things that... You know, you say that if someone like AAA or some other really big company, it makes sense that they could take that type of analytics and really apply it to their companies because they have so many people and they're, and they're maybe doing so many things. But if you maybe take it down a step, you know, to a medium-sized company or a small-sized company, are there areas where you think maybe they should start to address from an analytics standpoint that's more tangible or, you know, uh, doable for them at their size? Yeah, I think they could actually look at, you know, in terms of uh, attracting new talent and retaining talent and doing surveys for those folks to see what, again, skills are, are missing or what sort of gaps there are in the competencies. Yeah, that, that, that seems like it would definitely help a lot of people there. We know there's a kind of a lot of areas that we know companies are having a difficult time with, and it could be culture management or strategic management, uh, maybe developing their talent, but where are you – where are you specifically seeing that companies are having the most difficulties uh, in those different areas? That's a great question. Um, all are important, but many of the VPs of HR, chief HR officers that I talk to are looking at culture management. And uh, that could start with, you know, just giving an employee advice, uh, you know, in terms of becoming a new manager. Uh, one of the folks that uh, I've uh, reached out to is a woman named Dory Clark who writes for Forbes, and, and she told me, but a new manager is going to be 
uh, feeling his or her way in the organization, trying to sort of find their managerial voice. Uh, and, and as a result, sometimes they often err on the side of being too harsh or too lenient. So in terms of culture, em- employers could help new managers succeed by encouraging them to sort of understand and live out, you know, things like, you know, your employees are not your friends, your employees aren't your enemies. You, you lead by example. Uh, don't play favorites. And, you know, most importantly, you know, bring your personality to work and sort of have that sort of emanate through the culture of the organization. Yeah, that's a great point because you're right. People do tend to come in either want to, you know, start really pounding people or really being like, a, for lack of a better word, a ball buster on their first couple days or they want to come in and be everyone's friend. And that's just setting yourself up for disaster. So how do you how do you sit somewhere in the middle? How do you be you? How do you, you know, still have maybe that firm hand, but at the same time the – you know, be encouraging and, and, and have the right balance in there. And that That's incredibly hard for anyone, even who have maybe some of the best training and the best education. It's a very difficult thing to do. And then if you're walking into a situation where maybe you're a little bit over your head, even even more difficult. So I could see how that would definitely be something that, that companies might really want to be focused on and helping their, their managers, you know, to do and, and to be successful with. Exactly. What sort of you know other struggles do you, do you think businesses are facing, you know, especially as as they look towards the future and starting to develop some of these things around dealing with the next generation? You know, everyone likes to talk about millennials, and I'm not necessarily convinced that they're that drastically different than everyone else. They just sort of come with a, a maybe a different a different set of tools, that being a phone uh, or different things like that. But other Specific things you're seeing that businesses are starting to prepare for and bringing in that next generation into their workforce? Well, I don't know if your um, audience has read the book The Alliance, Managing Talent in the Network Age by Reed Hoffman and two other folks from LinkedIn. But one of the main themes of that book is the idea around tours of duty, that people may only be in a particular job or role for one to three years, which is pretty typical of most millennials. And the firm wants to keep those employees and have them not job hop over to another company after spending money on training and and getting them engaged in the company. So the struggle that issue provides is the need to constantly have a workforce trained for what's next, right? That's an area where we excel, you know, helping folks. Uh, Training could really provide and help address that need for forward thinking and training for what's next. Right, absolutely. And that sounds like a great book to check out. So, you know, when you think back on your, on your own uh, personal development, well, this is a question I always like to ask uh, people on the show is, was there someone or something that had a really, you know, big impact on you as a leader and, and the way that you're thinking and, and, you know, the choices that you make today? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've had some great bosses and CEOs, and I've had some not-so-great ones. And without naming names, I'd have to say it's been the horrible bosses and CEOs that have had the greatest impact on me personally, I saw firsthand what a toxic person could do to a company and its culture. Uh, Two of our professors here at Berkeley wrote a book called The Other F Word, How Smart Leaders, Teams, and Entrepreneurs Put Failure to Work. So I'd recommend, you know, your your listeners pick up a copy. There's some really great lessons to be learned. But sometimes you learn from failure and learn from, you know, people doing it the wrong way. Yeah, isn't it amazing how how sometimes the the worst bosses can teach you? Unfortunately, you see... The company struggles, people struggle. I mean, you hate to see people have to go through that, but on a personal level, it can be very educational. Uh, I once had a boss that was so paranoid that everyone was out to get him. He literally had me spend my entire time trying to 
to see if people were really trying out to get them. And it was just, you know, just killed the company. It was terrible. Waste of effort. Yeah, but I now can pick up in a moment if someone is like that. And I can just pick up on the subtle things that, you know, because I learned what that, how that person operated. Uh, so it's helped me in my career not to, not to go down that road again, but, you know, it, it was a t- tough lesson, but a good lesson, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the other kind of, uh, you mentioned that book, uh, you have some colleagues that, that they wrote. Um, is there a particular book that you're reading right now that you might suggest that our uh, listeners also check out? Yeah, the, the book I'm reading right now is from a New York Times bestselling author, Tom Rath. It's called Are You Fully Charged? The Three Keys to Energizing Your Work and Life. It focuses on changes we can make uh, to create a better days for ourselves and others. I think it's a great, uh, great book. Well, and it, it, it sounds like it. So, you know, what, what's kind of instilling those changes? What are some of the, the, the suggestions or the, you know, the overall premise? Can you go into that for us? From the book itself? Yeah. Yeah, so it basically is, you know, about work-life balance. It's about setting goals. It, it's some of the things that, you know, a lot of books cover, but I think Raph does a great job of really calling out specific things you could do in the day-to-day to make changes. Well, that sounds good. You know, I know a lot of times we all have things that maybe we don't do as well or that we need to really work on that will help us become better in our role. It, has that ever happened to you? Have you had a specific skill or technique that you really had to focus on in order for you to then be you know, successful in the role that you were in? Yeah, I'd say there's actually a few skills, uh, things like responsiveness, uh, persistence, and being able to take a like, long view when developing you know, relationships. Um, I sort of got there the old-fashioned way by trial and error. Um, I'm always looking for ways to improve and help others. Um, I've been doing some volunteer work with my local association of talent development chapter here on the West Coast, where I serve as the VP of Academic Outreach. So I, I think it's just you, know, you constantly want to be improving yourself and helping others. Well, if, yeah, if, you can, uh, if we can all do that, I think it makes a huge difference uh, for the community at large. And it sounds like a lot of the great things that you're doing, um, it's really fascinating and how the impact that you can have in your role with, with the other organizations out there. Uh, have there been a you have maybe a particular success story or something that you were able to help those companies implement uh, that really made a big impact? Well, we're working with a, a firm in Silicon Valley right now that um, you know is looking to get back to double-digit growth. Uh, we put together a program here on campus uh, over. You know, a fairly large cohort of about 45 of their employees. And I could tell you that I, I had some of the folks in the program who had been to numerous other uh, training classes. They, they basically said we had provided them the best experience ever in their 30-plus year career. And that makes me very passionate to uh, do more of that for other firms. Wow, that's pretty amazing to get that kind of feedback. Yeah, very, very nice. Yeah, I can imagine. That. That's just fantastic. So. We've uh, really kind of covered a, a lot of different things. Um, you know, I'm wondering if you might summarize, what, what are some of the things that you, we talked about here today maybe you think it might be good takeaways that somebody might want to go back and think about or implement in their own company? Yeah, well, you know, first off, university partners like UC Berkeley um, and other universities around the country are eager to work with firms uh, looking to create top-notch educational programs that complement their existing learning and development initiatives. So I I think going to universities is a a good thing to take a look at. Uh, Secondly, you know, look at the programs 
you're doing for that vital many. You know, the middle managers that typically are not trained as often or as well as executives, there are really real opportunities to impact performance, loyalty, and know-how with training at that level. And then finally, uh, practitioners should figure out what's needed and then pilot new programs designed to achieve the business and learning outcomes is try it. Right. If only people would, would get out there and, uh, and, and just try whatever it is that they're wanting to do or set that goal or make that next thing happen. I think that's it's almost like the, uh, the Nike thing. Just do it. If you got there and try it. I, I don't want to go there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, uh, how can people, you know, get a hold of you or learn more about the uh, UC Berkeley Extension Program? Well, well, thanks again for having me on your program. People can learn more about the tra- training programs we run and can create by visiting our website, corporate.berkeley.edu, and filling out the contact form on the website. Well, it sounds like a fantastic thing that companies ought to consider doing, and I am uh, really, really appreciate you being on the show and sharing that more about us. I didn't even know that such a thing kind of existed, so it was really fascinating for us to learn more, and uh, really appreciate you being on the show, and hopefully we can have you come back at some point and give us an update. That would be great. Thanks, Paul. Okay, be sure to tune in at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time uh, next Tuesday, uh, September 22nd. We'll have one of the best of Talent Talk Show. Um, I'm going to be out in Austin speaking, and then I'm going to be in Kansas City speaking at the uh, State Sherm Show. So I will be off next week. We will have the best of show on. We'll return uh, live on September 29th. Uh, Holly Paul, the CHRO at FTI Consulting, and uh, Parker Little. And then we'll also have the chairman and CEO of little uh, holding group uh, join me for the show. So uh, until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio Show brought to you by People G2.